We are recording. Uh, we can cut all this, but we are technically live on the mic. Are you Johnny J-O-H-N-N-Y? I, I'm guessing not because you spell Jonathan J-O-N. Yeah, way, way, to, way to hit um, <laughs> hard off the bat. My, my dad always used to just freak out on me because I started going by Johnny spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y uh, when, I was in the, <laughs> when I was in like first or second grade. I even had a third grade um, uh, time when I went by Johnny with one N and, and, and um, my like elementary school friends can attest to this. <laughs> I stood up in the classroom and I was like, I'm now Johnny J-O-H-N-Y, which was just a crazy time. But yeah, my dad gives me so much, so much <laughs> shit because it's Jonathan and I don't, I spell it with an H. So yeah, it's, um, it's, right. it still well, confuses I, I, me. I, I, I got nervous because I, I did the, I did the description and I'm like, well, he's got no H in his name, so I don't know why I added his H to this middle to his nickname. So, well, well, we can edit it. The great thing about Colin is you can edit it afterwards. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're 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 um, you're right. I mean, it's just at this point, um, it's like, am I in too deep? I don't think I can make that change. I think all my friends, all my close friends, if they wrote my name down, they would do it Johnny with an H. Um, so, I, I it, it would be like a full <laughs> rebrand. If I just went J O N N Y, and it's just weird. If I, whenever I write it down that way, it's just it's just bonkers. But at least I, at least I matured enough to to go back to having two ends as opposed to Johnny with one end, which was a very weird time. I think I thought I was like Cher. <laughs> you are like I am like Cher. I don't know about the singing, but um, you have the star power. Oh, for you sure. have the panache. Yeah, it was at that point. I think it was Johnny with one end without a last name. It was just a singular singular reference point for me. <laughs> awesome well uh i think we're both really pumped for this weekend it's going to be an awesome grand prix i mean we if for those who haven't listened we uh we recapped russia um two weeks ago i think at this point uh not this last sunday but the yeah. sunday before which was an insane race with a lot of weather and uh because lewis won it we've got a huge race here where there's just the championship is sort of on the line i don't know that's it's as simple as that yeah, Lewis is uh, Lewis is up on Max Verstappen in the championship. It's really a, a two horse race at this point, which is honestly what it has been for a while. Which I think is what fans are, are excited for the car changes next year. But yeah, it's it's a two point separation with seven races to go. Um, pretty wet, wet and wild uh, Russian Grand Prix. And Lewis Hamilton got his got his hundredth win, which I feel like we didn't cover on the last pod. Chase, what? What is your like feeling on Lewis Hamilton? He's kind of not even kind of. He, he's the I, biggest deal in Formula One, and he's a controversial figure. Some people love him, some people hate him. I've, I've never heard your opinion on him. I love, and I've always loved rooting against sort of the the excellent people in sports. I, I love an underdog. I root against Federer. I root against Tiger. So I'm a bit of a it's it's kind of my personality to just try, try to see someone else um, finally get that mantle, um, which you know it is what it is. But um, I so I root against Lewis just to try to see some some other names like winning the championship ultimately to make the sport a little bit more exciting. We actually, Johnny, this is new, but we have a caller. Dane um, is calling into the show. Um, maybe we'll we'll see what he has to say. Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Dane, how are you? I couldn't miss an opportunity to proselytize 
the wonders of Lewis Hamilton and being a Lewis Hamilton fan. You're oh, well, a big Lewis Hamilton fan? Huge. Love Lewis Hamilton. I just got my hands on like a, a rated card, of like a, like a PSA rated tops card. Of Lewis Hamilton. Oh, wow. Those, I think what those do you like? Do you like bit. him on the track? Do you like him off the track? Do you like him everywhere? Talk to me about Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> so I, I will caveat this just by saying that I don't follow the politics of celebrities. So I, I couldn't tell you like what their opinions are on things. But everything else <laughs> that I do follow, I love. Every interview he gives, I think he's sensational. He... He's managing so much intellectually and as an athlete that I'm blown away by Lewis Hamilton. Because if you ever, like Russia, for example, truly spectacular finale there. And Lewis won it by being Lewis, by being mature, by being a fantastic driver, by listening to his team, even when he really didn't want to. You know, he was like, oh, no, I don't want to go into the box. I can handle it. But then he listened and he went in and it was the right decision. Oh, it was beautiful. It was like the moment for me as a Lewis Hamilton fan, especially. So is Lewis, is Lewis and Toto, Chase, and I want you to chime in here too. Is Lewis and Toto's relationship getting to the point where it's like Brady and Belichick where, Dane, you talked about Lewis overriding that first call from the pit saying, you need, you need to pit, you need to get onto the wets. Like, does Lewis get that get that W his hundredth victory without respect and without Toto putting his foot down there? I don't think he does. I mean, in my opinion, I, I think yeah, it is Brady Belichick, <laughs> absolutely. But that's why. But that's part of why Lewis is so great is that he has that respect for you Toto. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, I, I 100% agree. I, it's it's funny. I, I think I think Bill Simmons was talking about the Brady Belichick dynamic and how Pats fans feel, and they feel that the first three Super Bowls were Belichick, and the last three were Brady. And I think that the first few championships were Lewis, but I think Toto has played a bigger and bigger role in, the, in this team and just taking over as a personality and sort of shaping the future of Mercedes. I don't tell me if I'm off base, Johnny. No, I agree. And I think, uh, thanks, Dan, for calling in and, and, and talking about it. But um, I, I think that motor racing is so much different than football. You know, you can't even say that it's just Brady winning those championships versus with Formula One. You quite literally can say that Toto's not doing anything without the incredible driving and, yeah. and um, you know, just passion of Lewis Hamilton. So I, I still side it way more on the Lewis Hamilton front, but it, it's interesting. Like the last race, and, and we'll get into more of kind of the bigger picture stuff for Turkey here shortly. But to give a quick recap on the last race, like we want to give Lewis Hamilton his flowers for his hundredth victory. And he is, uh, he's an absolute beast in the sport, but it sounds like you go against him, Chase. You, you're not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan. I, I just as a fan of, of the sport and just as a fan of competition, I, I do like seeing this championship race. Uh, I, I've self-admittedly gone to the sport as a newer viewer after um, being a big fan of Drive to Survive on Netflix. Uh, there was some there max drama a little bit, but it became very clear that Lewis was just going to dominate, and like he has the last seven years. So I, I there's part of me that wants to root for 
Lewis because I think he is a good guy and I, I think he's done great things for the sport. But just just seeing a new person on top and and maybe protecting Schumacher's seven um, for sure Schumacher World Championship record um, that has a bit to do with it too because I that mean I also think that like Lewis Lewis is an incredible driver um, and 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 you only really celebrate somebody after they're after they're done or they've retired and you're like wow you know what 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 incredible championships and what Lewis is has has done in his career is phenomenal i also think that like he gets a lot of he gets a lot of heat because he gets brought into every controversial topic you know nobody's really asking um what does lance stroll think about what's going on in 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 you know with the new race in qatar like what's going on in the middle east lewis hamilton being the figurehead in the sports gets that gets all those questions and he's scrutinized with every opinion that he has. And it's kind of like, yeah, it, it's difficult. It's like Tiger Woods talks about it. Or he talked about it in golf where he's like, I don't want to be this figurehead. I don't want to have a political take on everything. Lewis does have a strong political take on a lot of things and he catches a lot of flack, but they also demand that in the sport and it's such a global sport. So, he, I, I, you know, I, I think he's, he's impressive and, and he stands for some, some, some good things. And I think he's matured. Um, over the over the the course of his career, especially most recent most re- recently this year, like how he's attacking this title fight. But yeah, Chase, I'm excited for uh, for this upcoming race, the Turkish Grand Prix, and again the, the the six other races that we have left on the calendar for for the closest title fight in decades. It's just awesome. It's awesome for the sport. It, it it's such a culmination of of what FM has been doing from building this media brand in the U.S. through Netflix and through Drive to Survive to have a lot of fans that are newer fans in the in the U.S. coming to this season as their debut season. They couldn't have asked for a better fight, and it's it's lived up to it. I think it's I think this race is just going to be epic. Uh, you've got. We talked about it, but you've got Max with a, a new power unit um, and a very cool livery. Um, is that how you say it? You, correct me if I'm wrong, but is the... Yeah, no. I, I I mean, shoot, I think it's how you say it. But yeah, I think it's livery. Um, yeah, it's, it's not livery. It's not yeah, livery. The livery is the, is the actual design, the color, of the scheme of the whole car with all the branding. Yeah, uh, Red, Bull, Red Bull has a white and red car this weekend, which is pretty awesome. There's been two other cars so far this season that have changed their livery. McLaren did that awesome Gulf oil, uh, teal and orange livery in Monaco. Um, and then, honestly, Alf, Alfa Romeo did one, sweet. I think, at the Italian Grand Prix because it was their home Grand Prix, and they simply just, like, changed – one of the red colors to green to do the Italian flag. That was pretty lame. Sorry for any Alfa Romeo fans on here. Um, but that, that was, that was kind of pathetic, but uh, that'd be really cool. Like moving forward, if, if more teams, it's super expensive, but if more teams started switching stuff around, I think what Red Bull's doing for this upcoming race with the white and red color scheme is they're, um, they're paying tribute to Honda. It, yeah, and it's funny because this was supposed to be uh, the Japanese Grand Prix, um, which obviously mm-hmm. with COVID got pushed. And it's a bummer because um, Honda's leaving F1. Um, Red Bull's going to basically build their own power units for, going forward here. Um, but it would have been a nice send-off in Japan to to have Honda be showcased. But, hey, we're, we're doing it in Turkey, and uh, that's, you, you move on. But it, it's a it's a great-looking car, and... Um, me personally, I'm hoping Max gets the victory in it. 
For sure. Um, and, and just to give the, the listener kind of like a heads up on the Thursday pod here, um, we're breaking it up. After our first podcast, we, we decided not just to do the Sunday race reaction and have it be lengthy, um, but we still want to talk about some other topics in regards to like the Formula One rumor mill, you know, um, the 2022 car changes that I think we referenced last time that um, we want to dig into a little bit. What's the issue with the power units? Um, you know, even Chase, like, who are some guys in this upcoming season because all of the car changes and, and driver changes rather have been basically solidified other than the last Alfa Romeo seat. So I just wanted to tell our listener that the new format is to do a bit of a pre-race stuff on the Turkish Grand Prix and the, and the track characteristics, but also some of the bigger picture stuff going on in the sport. Cause that's pretty fun too. Yeah, no, I can't wait to get into it. Um, who are you excited yeah, we, about? Who are you excited just, about on the on if, if we go into it? Who are you excited about for the driver changes for next year? A lot of them are coming back, but who who are you excited about for next year? Do you have anybody in particular? So George Russ, that number two seat at Mercedes is just—it's so fun to think like George Russell and what he's been able to do in the Williams car has been very, very impressive. Um, we got a bit of a preview uh, with Valtteri out of what it would look like with him and Lewis as teammates, but I'm just very excited to see if he could push Lewis as, as Lewis continues to, to fight off, like sort of not father time, but like drivers just kind of, you can't hold that podium like top spot for too long. So if he's got someone in the, in the Mercedes next to him, that's, that's putting up great track times and, and getting podium after podium, it, it's just going to make for a super interesting dynamic. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I think like I'm, I'm most excited about two guys, George Russell, and then obviously Alex Albon, who's, who's um, replacing George Russell at, at Williams. But yeah, for, for George Russell, to be partnering with Lewis and everybody's been giving Lewis a bunch of, I'm not going to say heat, but they always viewed Valtteri Botas as the um, epitome of a number two driver that never was risking anything and would always give, you know, Lewis Hamilton the advantage and, and, and would always, you know, switch, switch places if Toto called for it, just a true team player, which is super important in formula one. And it's very hard to get one of those. Um, you have like Felipe Massa in the past and Rubens Barrichello for, for Michael Schumacher, but like, mm. you know, getting a number two driver in such an individualistic sport um, is difficult. So we'll see what two big dogs are going to look like at Mercedes next year. But that's going to be fascinating to see how quick George Russell is and a, a great piece of machinery like Mercedes has put put on the track for the last decade and a half or whatever it is, or, or maybe less. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, pivoting basically the driver he's replacing. What do we think about Valtteri? Um, Going over to drive the Italian car. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really have no idea on that because it's like, what is Alfa Romeo gonna gonna do? Like, what is their car gonna be like? You know, both Giovinazzi and Kimi Räikkönen. Kimi Räikkönen retired, so cheers to to Kimi for an incredible career. He won a one Formula One World Championship, which is which is great, and he's such a such a figurehead in this sport since the early two thousands with McLaren and. Um, just, just, just a great, great racer. But Kimmy's retiring, which is more than time for him, honestly, to retire because he's lacked pace for like two years. And then Antonio Giovinazzi, the Italian driver for yeah. the Italian car, it looks like he's going to be out as well. That's the only other spot that they have filled for all the rosters next year. But 
I don't know. Valtteri could be quick. We'll see. He was always quick at Williams before he went to Mercedes chase. That was why he got picked up as he showed a lot of pace in a, I'm not going to say a, a secondary talented car, but that, that that's how guys get picked up. Yeah. Same with tough the player. Car. The player that was a tough to car. Ferrari yeah. After he was at alpha, you know, in 2016 and he pushed that alpha Romeo into mm-hmm. like qualifying 14th and 13th, which is overperforming in a car. So Hopefully Valtteri will feel like a top dog um, again. And who knows, maybe he'll surprise everybody and sneak out a couple podiums next year. But I, I just don't know if Alfa Romeo has, has the, the right machinery to get that done. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be tough. It, it's, I, I don't think Valtteri is going to be pushing too much. I, I just, He's he's been a beneficiary and a, and a very loyal servant almost to to Lewis. So it, it it'd be nice to see him pick up some some decent finishes in that car, but it's it's going to be a tough task. Wait, do you want to talk Pierre? You want to talk Pierre Gasly a little bit? Yeah, I think Pierre is one of the most interesting drivers <laughs> in the whole grid. It's I, crazy. I what do you think about Pierre Gasly? Because I think that I think he's super super talented, and he's the definition of outperforming. Not only his car, but also his teammate Yuki Sonoda just dominating him this year. What do you think about Pierre Gasly? He's like the Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's crazy. Like you give him a team and you give him a car that like it, it, no one thinks of as like a very talented, or you just wouldn't expect to finish well. And he gets the absolute most. He loves being that dog, just coming from behind, and just surprising you. But. I think people have kind of given up him after like that rough Red Bull stint. I, I want him to get one more opportunity in like a, a first class car just to see what he could do. He's super young. Yeah. I mean, he's under, he's, he's under like 20. I, I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but he's, he's definitely younger than 25. Um, and he only had a couple of years really in, in the fight for that number one Red Bull seat in general. And then he got it. And then he was taken out mid-season with Albon. And he's just been dominating with Alphatari, the secondary Red Bull car, ever since. Outperforming a lot of times the second Red Bull driver. Whether that's Albon, whether that's Sergio Perez. Pierre Gasly is super quick, which is why I was really surprised that Alpine re-signs um, Esteban Ocon to like a three-year deal. And they were the fir- one of the first big moves yeah. was they were always wondering, okay, is it going to be Ocon and Fernando Alonso for Alpine? I'm honestly not the biggest fan of Ocon. Um, I, I, I know everybody pumps up um, his kind of relationship with Toto, and Toto must think he's an incredible driver, and some other people, you know, teams on the grid must think he's great and super quick. Um, but I was surprised that Alpine, formerly Renault, uh, re-signed Ocon because I thought Gasly would have been great there. I thought like getting out of the Red Bull um, dynamic would be really helpful for Gasly because he's like the ugly stepchild that's not getting any attention anymore. You know, um, it, it's just a bummer for Gasly. And a guy you just know is talented, and uh, I was super excited to see him get you know victory, which is insane. But um. I yeah, he would have made sense um, on that Alpine team with Alonso. I, I I agree with you on Ocon. I just you see some finishes randomly on 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 Grand Prix, and you're like, oh oh wow, but you never feel like he's jumping off the screen or or making moves that are just shocking, like some of the other drivers. 
Yeah, I think it's classic F1. Like they, they, he's a Frenchman. He, he comes with a little bit of money. He's not necessarily quote unquote a paid driver. Like some of the other guys on the grid, like Mazepin and Latifi that come with big sponsors, you know? Um, but yeah, I think in general, besides, mm-hmm. uh, besides Alex Albon and George Russell, um, no real big changes. Um, we'll see who fills that second seat at, at alpha with, um, Valtteri. I think it's probably going to be zoo, um, from, from formula two to be promoted. I think he's a paid driver. He's going to bring in some much needed capital to the Alfa Romeo team, which will help them bring out a better car in the next couple of years. But yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what the driver lineup looks next year. And, and cause that's a fun time when all those dominoes start yeah. to fall. Yeah, the silly season. It's great. Um, let's let's talk this weekend, though. Let's talk the track a little bit. Um, we're in Turkey. Uh, we're at the Istanbul uh, Park track. Um, what what kind of intel do you have on how this track's going to be and where we're at weather-wise um, looking for this Grand Prix race? So so in, in, in Russia, leading up to the race, I think like the paddock in Russia had already flooded by Tuesday, <laughs> right? So everybody knew it was going to be rainy in Russia. Um, this is a little bit different, although there there is some rain forecast in Turkey. I think it's really a coin flip on if it rains. Last I checked, it's it's fifty fifty. Um, supposed to be pretty windy though. Pretty yeah, windy that's on what the I track. saw. So we'll have to see. It's not it's not the easiest of track conditions there. And I also think that it's it's an interesting. It's an interesting uh, track on your tires. Last year was the first time in over a decade that they raced in Turkey. This has not been a regular circuit on the track um, due to contracts internally with Formula One, as well as some, you know, some some external factors that that have happened to to restrict Turkey from getting a lot of fans there. But um, they 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 had yeah. trouble last year because they repaved the track right before the race chase. And everybody's tires were getting destroyed in the race. Um, and they're sliding off tracks and everything like that. So <laughs> as a Formula One fan, you talked about rain. But if there's also some issues with tires, I think Pirelli, the tire provider here, they even came out a couple of days ago. And they were like, we already gave our soft compound tires for this weekend, like our recommendation. Because they always push on the tire companies in Formula One for each race to tell f1 yeah you're our tire provider which tires which three tire choices should we be giving to the drivers here according to the track so it's kind of a safety thing um supposedly pirelli did not get told by the by the owners of the of the turkish grand prix of of, of istanbul park that they had been power washing the track um with extreme pressure chase so they don't know (laughs) pirelli basically made a statement with their tail between their legs that said we gave these compounds of tires for this upcoming weekend before knowing that in the last year this track has been blowing stuff down to get it a little bit i guess softer um so i still think the tires could be weird which means it's going to be a a pretty interesting strategic pits tires you know type race it's super fun so keep an eye out for that that's awesome yeah no i I think there's a lot more elevation than there was in Russia. Who, who does that benefit the most? Do, do we think Red Bull comes out hungry, um, knowing they sort of threw somewhat the towel in for Russia, and they're just going to basically storm this race and, and give it all they got? I mean, it benefits them not having a flat track that typically Mercedes cars perform better at. 
Um, now, if there's rain, it automatically creates four, five, six more overtaking spots on the track, which is just turns and different elements, right, where, where cars can get past each other. So if there isn't rain, it's generally not a great overtaking track. There's turn one, which is right after the front straight, um, which is which is where you can get pretty emotional and have cars take over. And then turn eight is a good place. Um, that's like a quadruple apex, super high speed corner. They call it the Diabolica, uh, if you're going to watch the broadcast. That's another place where you can see some fun stuff. You're constantly kind of turning, that you're just constantly turning at a pretty high speed there. But yeah, I think Red Bull. I think Red Bull's got got a pretty good car for this. You know, Max reset his power unit in the last race. There's a chance that Lewis does the same thing this race, so Lewis will be fighting from the back. So I think Red Bull should have a pretty strong race here. Um, and we'll see if Valtteri Botas can spoil their race. Honestly, how um, Max spoiled Lewis's, you know, Russia win is 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 Max was in in the second spot. Um, so he barely, barely lost on a point differential to Lewis mm. on a race that Lewis really needed to win for the constructors championship for the drivers championship too. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Red Bull is going to be pretty strong here and, and, and it gets to be pretty fast. So Red Bull and Mercedes will be strong here. I love that. D- does McLaren stay hot? I mean, they, they've been doing, I mean, obviously they, they had the, the Lando meltdown that we discussed, uh, but Ricardo and, won the previous Grand Prix and I think they could make some more noise and, and just be like just more separation in that third spot of the constructors if, if Ricardo and, and Lando that's a really cool battle yeah, yeah that's a really cool battle McLaren and Ferrari are super super tight in the points so if you're watching this race this weekend pay attention to the McLarens and the Ferraris because again it's basically a two-horse race at the top um, between Red Bull and Mercedes uh, specifically Lewis and Max right so the the fight between McLaren and Ferrari is is a really important one for that P three spot overall in the in the championship. Um, I think that McLaren could be quick here. The drivers don't know a, a heck of a lot about this track because a lot of them, like Lando, has only raced there once. Um, this yeah. track, the Turkish Grand Prix, was around in the mid 2000s 2011 yeah, I think 2011 is when it dropped yeah. yeah it dropped off in 2011 but it was around like in 07 I think and kind of those sort of years so some of the older drivers are aware of it but Daniel Ricardo he had a he had a comment a couple of days ago that he's been in the iRacing simulator for the Turkish Grand Prix because he doesn't know a lot about this track so I don't know how how great McLaren will be here but they've been so strong in the last couple of races and Lando's been so strong the whole season. Daniel's really having a great second half of the season, Chase. I think they'll be really competitive. And then Ferrari, yeah. we talked about it last time, but they have a new power unit in their cars that supposedly is their last tech- technical upgrade of the season um, for Ferrari. And then they're just going to focus on next year for those developments to the car. But supposedly they're going to be really, really quick. So this is a fun race. I mean, watch out for, for Charles Leclerc. He could, he could come up. Um, and have his best result of the season. No, I'm I'm really pumped for to just watch that that young driver pair. Which I mean, people are saying is the best pair on the grid right now. Which uh, hard to disagree with. Um, watching F1 recently. Um, no, but it, it does benefit some of the older drivers um, that have raced here before. It's track familiarity is a huge huge part of F1, and and people just 
knowing the track, but it, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Not they, they raced there last year, but it's, it's just, uh, it's not a place where you could be like, Oh, Lewis and, in Lewis and Silverstone, you know, it's like, it's not someone it's owner. No one owns this track of late, you know? Yeah. You don't have 10 years of this, of this type of car, right. With the, uh, with the hybrid era formula one car that they're in. This is the last year of the hybrid era. Technically, you know, you don't have precedent like in Russia, right. Where Mercedes has won every single race there. So it's like, this is a Mercedes dominated yeah. track. And also the fact that the surface, as we talked about, um, and, and the fact that the track is really hard on tires, there's just a lot of, um, of factors that can make this race much more interesting. And I'm excited to do this pod on a Thursday because tomorrow is when all the practice sessions start. Um, obviously three practice sessions and a qualifying before the race. So we'll just yeah. have to pay attention to the track times of who seems to be pretty quick here. One thing I want to, I want to note on the, on the powertrain um, subject is that Carlos Sainz is also doing what Max did last week. So he's already come out and said, he's going to replace his power unit in his car. So he's going to start from the back. So for that McLaren Ferrari fight, there's a chance that one of the McLarens tries to take advantage of one of the Ferraris being in the back by doing so themselves, you know, just to stagger it so that they can basically have a one-on-one race. So anyways, speaking, speaking, no, speaking of Carlos, I mean, he's been driving great. Do you think at at Ferrari, there's anyone kicking themselves about the Leclerc deal and like, Hey, we have this other driver who, is still a young guy and maybe just as good. Like we made like Charles the, the face of the team when he's a great driver and all, but Carlos has just been steadier. He has had less problems. Uh, Charles is sort of always running to, into tire issues or into racing penalty issues. And he likes to bump it up, which honestly it's great, but like he's sort of like Max Verstappen Jr. in a worse car. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I, I think last year was super difficult for Ferrari. So let's not forget that, you know, they, they, they were not competitive. Yeah. Um, that was the terrible last year for Sebastian Vettel. Um, everybody just pouring onto him saying that, that he's lost his championship form. He's been decent this year in the Aston Martin, but surely is getting towards the end of his career. Um, was kind of surprised that he didn't have more rumors around retirement. Looks like he's re-signed to stay at Aston Martin. But on Charles, yeah, Carlos Sainz is Mr. Consistent. He's gone from Red Bull to Renault to McLaren and to Ferrari and has extracted a lot of performance out of each one of those cars, which is a, a total total feat in of itself that, that he is um, Mr. Consistent and is a phenomenal driver. Because you saw with Daniel Ricciardo for the first half of this season in that new McLaren, he couldn't get his, he couldn't get a handle of it, you know? So Carlos is great. I, I would love to see him win a race. He's finished second a handful of times, um, never won a race before, but I still think that Charles is, is, uh, is kind of a unicorn in the sport. I think um, he is extremely quick and he goes for uh, spots and openings on the track that other drivers, other than like Max Verstappen and Lewis, so to say, uh, wouldn't go for. And who knows? Maybe next year with this car change for the 2022 regulations, who knows? Maybe maybe Charles Char Leclerc. I, I still think he's going to win a world championship or two in his career. So I'm high on him. Yeah, and it just feels like when Ferrari's back to, to being in that hunt, it's like when the when the Lakers are good or when USC football's back or 
having a strong Yankee team, like the sport just is in a better spot with that, with that Ferrari fan base sure. more engaged. So I'm, I'm hoping for that, but um, we'll have to see the, the car has to prove it to, to, on Sunday. We'll... Perfect. Um, for sure. So any other predictions for how you can see qualifying going? Anyone you think maybe starting from pole position that uh, is outside of Lewis or Max? Yeah, I think like one of the things that that we want to do on this Thursday pod or whatever it is, the first pod before the the race weekend is to give some predictions and then Chase, you and I will go back to them on Sunday. Um, I love it. Besides (laughs) besides qualifying, I think like a race prediction for me, not to put you on the spot, but but my top three prediction for the Turkish Grand Prix is a Max Verstappen win. Um, I have a Valtteri Botas number two, and I have a Charles Leclerc, number three. Oh. No, Lewis. It, just like a kind of a hangover from the 100th win, or what's what's the reasoning for that? Oh, you're predicting Lewis. I think he's going to start yeah. at the back. Yeah. I think they're going to change power units. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think the pressure is going to be on Valtteri. There, there's no team, for, for, for the listener, you have, and we talked about it last time, but there are four power units for a, or basically, sorry, three power units are allowed for a driver on a team. So that's the engine in, in, in the car. And after a while, power units can start to lose performance. You get a little bit slower. And if you get in a wreck or anything like that, um, you may need to go to a new power unit. So every car on the grid right now is at a minimum at three power units. So a lot of teams are going to need to switch in order to be competitive for the last six races. And with Lewis only leading Max by two points right now in the driver's championship, Chase, I think he's got to. I think he's got to replace his power unit to stay competitive. And I think he's going to try to do the same thing that Max did, which is fight fight through the field. Um, Max would have finished sixth or seventh yeah. in Russia. Bank on yeah, rain. He would have finished sixth or seventh in Russia. And then because of the rain, he was handed this lucky number two. And I think that Lewis is going to finish fifth or sixth. Could be totally wrong. What's what? What's your top three prediction for for Sunday? I also think Max takes it. Um, I yeah, he got lucky there, just finishing in a second or in the, on a podium that he didn't deserve really at all. Um, but the rain was made it interesting. I I I agree with you that I think Botas is on the podium, but I think he's third, and I think Lando takes second. Okay, I, Lando takes second. Yeah, McLaren continues. They're right. That's awesome. I, I hope yeah. so. That'd be so cool to see McLaren just continuing to dominate. He's quick. He's really quick. Um, when you have a team clicking like this, I'm, I'm not even concerned with the heartbreak. I, I think he's just going to fight again. And this time he's fighting with Max. Um, too bad that car isn't quite as accomplished. And I, I don't think he can drive with Max and Lewis quite yet. But I, I think he's faster than Valtteri at this point, even in the McLaren. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I, I'm giving maybe too much credit to Valtteri, but I, I think uh, there, there's a chance that he just sticks it in the number two slot. And I'm probably going to look like a fool on our Sunday race reaction podcast with having Charles Leclerc in the in the third spot. But I just haven't seen him enough this year, and he's got to at some point have some sort of a breakthrough. I have a question for Jonathan, if that's okay. Yeah. Go so, ahead. with the, regard to the power unit changes. Jonathan, um, are, 
you've mentioned quite a few drivers that you suspect will be doing that this race. So does it default to your qualifying place as to like, if let's say for the sake of argument, three drivers change power units, uh, they're all revert to the back of the track, but then does it go by whoever qualified fastest will be, you know, third from the back? So, so that's a good question. So, um, if you replace all the parts and you do a full replacement of your power unit, you go immediately to the back of the grid. It does not matter what your qualifying position is. You're starting at the back. Um, if you replace a couple of parts within your engine, you can get a 10 place grid penalty. Therefore, if you, to your point, if you qualified first, you would be starting in 11th place. Um, and and, and uh, you can still get, get, basically, you can still go for pole, kind of like Valtteri Botas did. And then he had the sprint race um, at, Monza, right, where Daniel Ricciardo won. Like Valtteri Bottas was all there the whole weekend and then all of a sudden started at the back of the grid. Some of these teams make the decision way too late. I think on a sprint race format, you'll see guys still do qualifying. You'll see them still race in the sprint with the old engine because you can pick up a handful of points from the sprint race format. But on a weekend like this, which is a traditional format, um, you're just going to see guys see what practice sessions are like, see if they feel like they're a little bit slower on the performance end, and they'll make the decision if they go to the back. But a lot of them are gonna do a full engine replacement, which would mean they start at the back of the field. And that announcement, I believe, let's say there's three drivers that do it, like Carlos Sainz has already announced that he's gonna be at the back of the grid. So if two more people do that, they're behind Carlos Sainz, if that makes sense. It's just on the time that you announce that you're gonna be replacing your power unit in your car. That makes sense. Thanks. So it's like a, a bit of a confidence game there with how confident you are ahead of the practice to change your power unit that you know that. Yeah, because you could you could have a you could have a DNF, right? If you didn't replace your power unit in this race and there's some really fast cars like you saw Max Verstappen just fight through the field um, and he got into the points uh, being in the top 10 within 25 laps. So, you know, Mercedes will think the same thing as we can at least get some points versus if they don't replace their power unit. As, as you know from watching races, you could all of a sudden have your, you know, your, your engine have issues and have a DNF and p- collect no points. So it is a bit of strategy and we'll just have to see what the timesheets show in the practice sessions uh, to see which teams are just going to say, screw it. We, uh, we're, we're lacking pace, so we need to have a new engine in there to, to, to be the most productive. No, that it's honestly, Johnny, that's it's super helpful hearing it because, yeah, as we said, like F1 is, is such a technical sport and um, a lot of the drama is extracted from all everything around the race itself. And uh, all these little things play huge roles in, in, in how we how we analyze races, how we talk about the sport. And I love it. I mean, maybe not for everyone, but the more you dive in, the more rich the sport becomes. So I appreciate you helping educate the, the listeners out there. Of course, of course. Yeah, no, um, I know we were going to talk about the 2022 cars. Um, do you want to dive into that now? Or we can touch that before the next Grand Prix. Yeah. Maybe we keep yeah. that for, for another pod. Cause I feel like, feel like, uh, this has been a good pre-race pod. I'm glad we got our predictions in, and I know we have another one on Sunday. Yeah. So I think we can save that for, for for one of our next pods just to talk about what the 2022 car looks like and, and what some of the regulations that they're putting into place are going to mean for your next season of Formula One. 
Perfect. No, I love it. I can't wait to get up. I'm not as early because I'm in New York now. So this Sunday morning is yeah, you're isn't going to be as bad, but um, I'll, I'll still be calling you during the whole race because it's, <laughs> it's always fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, Johnny. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Of course. Yeah, super fun. Talk to you on Sunday. Talk soon. See you, buddy.